Section 45 of the Treatises of Benvenuto Cellini on Goldsmithing and Sculpture by Benvenuto Cellini, translated by C. R. Ashby. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Treatise on Sculpture, Chapter 8 The Mystery of Making Great Colossi. To begin with, then, I divided the model, which was to be translated from three cubits to forty, into forty small parts each of these parts again i divided into twenty-four parts but as i knew that this model alone would not suffice to arrive at the requisite size i devised another method a method entirely my own never invented by any one before and the outcome of my own great researches as i am always generously inclined i will impart it to such as have good work at heart it is this I took four square pieces of wood measuring respectively three fingers each way. They were very straight, and planed nice and smooth, and they were exactly the height of my figure. These I fixed into the ground, plumbing them absolutely straight, and at such distance from the figure as to admit of a man entering in between. They were then match-boarded all round. Footnote. Sopanata. End footnote the boards being likewise perfectly straight, and a small opening at the back to enter by. Up against this match-boarding I began making my measurements, and then I drew out on the floor of a long room a profile footnote, profilo, end footnote, of the whole statue, forty cubits in size. Finding this plan work out with delightful accuracy, I proceeded next to make a skeleton three cubits high, similar to that of the model. This skeleton was all joined together with pieces of wood, fastened respectively to a very straight rod, the latter served for the left leg, upon which my figure rested. I took the measurements of the body of the figure off the case, making allowance in doing so for the thickness of the flesh and bone-work it had subsequently to be clothed with. Thereupon I erected a great mast, forty cubits high, in the centre of the court of my castle, and round it I set up four other masts, just as I had done with a model, and these also I cased round with match-boarding, just as I had done the small model. Then I joined together the life-size skeleton, taking the measurements exactly from the small skeleton, for every little piece a large piece and so marking off every measurement of every part of my figure proportionately from one case on to the other had i scaled the work off in the usual way i should have had no end of difficulties but this method of mine with the cases avoided all that and i got as fine a proportion in my life-size as in my small figures now as my figure was posed upon the left foot and had the right foot resting on a helmet so I arranged the skeleton as to make it possible to get inside the helmet and climb easily through the foot right up into the head. The skeleton completed, I clothed it in flesh, that is to say, in gesso, and laid it on rapidly in the same manner. When I had got the work completed to the last skin but one, I had the front of the casing opened and stepped back to view it some forty cubits, which was as much as there was room for in my courtyard. Everybody was delighted with the result, not only connoisseurs, many of whom came to see, but, what was much more important, I myself, who had given so much labour towards its fulfilment. 
what pleased me most however was the fact that there was not the slightest discrepancy between the small and the large model by this method of mine i set working a number of labourers and people unskilled in the profession it wasn't in the least necessary for them to know what they were doing indeed so masterly is my invention that nothing but patience and diligence are needed for the rest you may be a perfect ignoramus in the art and not even the hand of a michelangelo help you in a colossus of this kind the masses of muscle etc are so huge that it is impossible to take them in from the ordinary point of vision which one may put at twice the length of a man and if you approach the figure at arm's length in order to work it you see nothing if on the other hand you go a long way off you do see a little more but still not enough to remedy the great errors that must arise you see therefore that without this method of mine it is impossible to carry out a large colossus with fine proportions truly many a statue of ten cubits high has been spoiled by some blunder or other and i really think that not even statues of six cubits high can be properly made without this method of mine of course it is quite conceivable that just as i have discovered this method so some greater genius than i may discover a better one still but then it's always easy to improve a patent when the king came to paris he lay as was his wont at his castle the logro the louvre it was opposite my castle of little nello for there was only the seine in between i crossed the river and waited upon his majesty he was quite charming to me and asked me if i had anything lovely to show him i replied that as for the loveliness i wasn't so sure but i had done some work with great study and with all the devotion that so noble an art demanded and that if it was good it was due to him who allowed me to want for nothing such free-handedness being the only way of getting the best work done to this the king yea said me and the day following he came to my house after i had shown him a variety of different work i made him enter the courtyard placing him at the point whence my great statue told to the best advantage he obeyed me with the greatest condescension and the most perfect breeding footnote virtue see also brinkmann's rendering als grossere liebhaber der schönen kunste and footnote and indeed never have i met any prince who had such a wonderful way with him now while i was conversing with his majesty i ordered ascanio my pupil to let the curtain down instantly the king raised his hands and spoke in my praise the most complimentary words that human tongue ever uttered after which turning to monseigneur d'annibal footnote claude d'anbeau maréchal de france end footnote i command you he said most emphatically to give the first good fat abbey that falls vacant to our benvenuto for i do not want my kingdom to be deprived of his like at this i bowed deeply and thanked the king while he well satisfied went back to his castle now knew i what pleasure my labour caused this great king encouragement brought encouragement and i set to yet greater labours still i took thirty pounds of silver of my own money and gave it to two of my workmen 
with the designs and the models to make two large vases of it as it was a time of great wars i had asked no money of the king and also left untouched six months of my salary setting to work lustily at my own vases i finished them in a month's time and set out with them to find the king who was in a city by the sea called argentana when i gave him the vases he was most engaging and said be of good heart my benvenuto for i am one that both can and will reward your labours better than any one else in the world to which i replied that from earliest recollections my mightiest labours had been the discovery and application of my method relating to the founding of great colossi that now thanks to god my model had come up to my expectations that the casting had now to be considered and that this would have to be done in over one hundred separate pieces fitted together with swallow-tail joints nor would it be very difficult for us to do as i had already devised a skeleton of iron upon which to attach the various portions of the colossus as i cast them commencing at the feet and piece by piece fitting them together up to the head the only difficulty would be the putting together of the iron skeleton but this too i would take credit for surmounting observing the same process as i had carried out previously in the wooden one it would be necessary then for me to fix the first rods of the skeleton straightway into their final position that is to say at his majesty's residence at fontainebleau where i should have to be provided with a room sufficiently large for the purpose to this the king replied that if there were no other rooms suitable to my purpose he would give up to me his own private apartment so great was his desire to see a work of this kind finished i might take courage then and be of a light heart and he added i might return to paris to this end the two big vases were standing on the table before his majesty and as he was fingering and praising them i preferred the request to him that as the time was opportune it being the time of war he would grant me permission to return for four months to italy to revisit my fatherland my relatives and friends at these words of mine his majesty grew very sour of aspect and turned to me saying i wish you to gild these two vases from top to bottom with dull gilding this remark he repeated twice and then he rose quickly from the table and said nothing further by dull i fancied he meant two things firstly that i was a dull fool to ask such a liberty and secondly that the gold on the vases was to be left unburnished when his majesty had withdrawn i begged the cardinal of ferrara to whom was entrusted the duty of looking after me to procure the leave for me the cardinal bade me go back to paris and that he would let me know what i should do in the space of a fortnight he sent word by one of his servants that i could go but that i should return as soon as possible i praised god and set out of the property in my castle i took absolutely nothing with me neither the stuffs nor the house furniture the silver nor the gold nor the embossed vases nor any of the other things made independently of the agreements entered into with the king works all of them carried out by my workmen and paid for by me the great works enumerated in this book and made for the king his majesty had himself valued at over sixteen thousand scudi 
i not unnaturally thought that as i had not only taken nothing but was likewise a creditor for so large a treasure i should come back quick enough so i came to italy and reached florence my native city and went to poggio in caiano and shook hands with the grand duke cosimo and he received me very charmingly two days after the grand duke gave me an order to make a small model for a perseus which was most gratifying to me and two months sufficed to do it in when his excellency saw it he was beyond measure pleased and he said to me in the presence of a number of gentlemen had you the courage to carry out the work as finely in a great piece as here in your little model it would be the grandest work on the piazza to these gratifying words i replied my lord in the piazza are works by donatello and the great michelangelo both of them men that in the glory of their works have beaten the ancients as for me i have the courage to execute this work to the size of five cubits and in so doing make it ever so much better than the model at this there was no end of argumentation now as the war was still raging hotly in france i thought i should have plenty of time to cast one at least of the two figures footnote the perseus and the medusa End footnote but when they heard in france that i was working in florence for the grand duke cosimo his majesty took it very ill indeed and he said on several occasions didn't i tell benvenuto that he was a dull fool upon which the cardinal of ferrara did me a bad turn and made matters worse so that in the end the king said he would never call me back again all this was notified to me in writing on behalf of the king to this i replied that what alone troubled me was leaving so great a work unfinished but that i should never think of going anywhere where i wasn't called and so it came about that what with the encouragement of his excellency i set to work to get my perseus through after some time it must have been several months the king relented and discussing the matter with the cardinal of ferrara said to him that it had been a great mistake ever to have let me go the cardinal replied that it needed but a wink to fetch me back again to this the king said that it was the cardinal's duty to have prevented it and instantly turning to one of his treasurers by name giuliano buonacorsi one of our florentines said to him send benvenuto six thousand scudi and tell him to come back and finish his great colossus and i'll make it up with him the treasurer wrote to me all about his majesty's making it up but he didn't send any coin saying however that upon hearing my reply he would at once give the order for the money to this i on my part replied that i was quite ready and would make it up too in the midst of these negotiations to and fro the good king departed this life thus was i deprived of the glory of my great work the reward of all my labours and of everything that i left behind me so i set to work to finish my perseus end of the treatise on sculpture end of section forty five end of the treatises of benvenuto cellini on goldsmithing and sculpture by benvenuto cellini translated by c r ashby